first starting, this is the first week of our summer shift where we've shifted to 9 a.m. And we're also shifting to a little bit more of a compact service, so I better get going if we're going to stick with that. Um, and last week, Jared shared out of Matthew 10, and we're going to shift a little bit from that. We're going all the way to Matthew 19. Now, we're not skipping over these nine chapters. <laughs> I want to say that we're just we're jumping ahead to Matthew 19 for a passage that kind of fits where we're at this morning as we're doing some dedication of children in a few minutes. So, Dahlia, would you come? Dahlia's going to um, read the scripture for us. And, Dahlia, I think you need to bring the glasses down. I'm going like this stylish gal with the matching glasses and, um, yeah. And Dahlia, as most of you know, but some of you may not, she uh, leads our uh, Radiant Kids Ministry. And uh, so stay up here after you read this scripture. So, and it's, uh, why don't you stand with me as we share in the reading of the word. It's out of Matthew 19, verse 13 through 15. There you go. There you go. Full effect, full effect. Uh, One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. All right. Why don't you keep that mic for just a second. Stay up here, though, for a second. So um, Dahlia is the right person to read this scripture to us today. You can go ahead and be seated, sorry. Um, because Dahlia, like Jesus, Dahlia has a real heart to see our kids connect with God. That's really her desire. She's not really into, like, I'm going to put together just a bombing children's Sunday school class. She has a real heart to see our kids connect with Jesus, to touch him, to be loved by him. And she works really hard to help our kids uh, feel loved and feel seen. And as we are shifting here with time and with a little bit of what we're doing, we're also making some shifts with our kids for the summer. Dahlia, you want to kind of share a little bit about what we're doing for the summer? Yeah, so for the next nine weeks, we have, uh, we're going to start summer cinema and It's just kind of cool because it's so hot here that we're going to put all the kids in the barn. We're going to have fans. You know, your your kids will be, like, properly hydrated and done really (laughs) well. You know? Yes, they won't need sunscreen. Um, But, you know, we're in and out. And so we put together uh, Prince of Egypt. We have the King of Joseph story. And then we have the star. And each movie will be three weeks long. And if you're not here, in the back for the next three weeks, we have this little pamphlet, and it's really cool. Um, When you open it up inside, it has, um, like, week one, two, three, a memory verse, an activity that you can do at home with them. And then it also has um, just, like, coloring sheets that go toward with the movie. So it's, like, engage your starters with your kids. You can ask them about the movie. When you're on vacation, you can do the little activity. Like, one of them is just really fun, and it says, go swimming. Try to make the biggest cannonball splash you can, then hop out of the pool and see how much water splashed out. Think about how much water God had to move to make dry land for the people to walk through. Uh, And it's just fun. We're going to make practical what really happened in the Bible while they're watching the movie. So um, 9 a.m., all the kids in the barn after worship, it's going to be fun. 
That's awesome. Thank you, Dahlia. Thank you. That's awesome. Are they all going to be in like handbill? Is that what that's called? Handbill? Is that what that? Is that what that's called? Plate bill. What is that called when it's like like the movie thing? Is there, are they going to look like that every week? Oh, the kids saw that. They're going like, dude, we're having a movie today. Yeah, they got that. So um, I do want to say if you're not a regular team member with our Radiant Kids Ministry and this is your family and you're going to be around this summer and you're willing to jump in a couple of times this summer, uh, a lot of our folks that are regular team members are doing vacationing things. And we want them to be blessed as they do that, but that's leaving some slots. So if you'd be willing to step in once or twice this summer while some of our folks are vacationing, talk to Jared or Rachel, myself, Sam, Dahlia, or you can fill out a Connect card and say, I'm willing to take a couple slots this summer. It's, it's a little easier for the teachers because it's kind of led by a cool movie. So, all right. Well, thank you, Dahlia, for sharing that scripture. And God, we just want to say to you that we come to sit under your word. Lord, we don't come to judge your word or um, to just read it and smile about it. We come to sit under it. Lord, thank you that we don't have to make our way in the fog as we're looking to live out our relationship with you. You've given us really clear direction. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So we sit under it this morning in these few simple verses. Would you open our hearts and our eyes to you today, to what you value, and let it shape us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this passage in Matthew 19 is also recorded in the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Luke. And if you were in our Wednesday night class called Eat Your Word, you may remember uh, it was talked about that Matthew and Mark and Luke all kind of have some common stories, and they're called a, there's called something specifically. Who remembers what, what those three Gospels are called? Because they kind of have some similar perspectives. Anybody remember? Synoptic. Okay, they're called the Synoptic Gospels. And that's, that's not like real key, like, but that's a cool thing to know, because as you look at the Gospels, you're going to find a lot of similar stories in the Gospel of Matthew, Gospel of Mark, and Luke. John's a little different. There's a lot of metaphors, you know, like the vine, the branches. I am the word of life. John is the, a gospel that's full of the metaphors of who God is and how we live out this life that we live in. So anyway, so this story is also recorded in Mark and Luke. One particularly interesting thing in the gospel of Mark in chapter 10, where it has this story, it adds one little phrase to it. It says that as the disciples were trying to shuffle these kids away, that Jesus became indignant at what they were doing and said, hold on. He became indignant. So remember that. So let's look at the story here. It's really a pretty simple story. Ministry is happening like crazy. In Matthew 19, what we're looking at, there's people being healed. There's people that have been raised from the dead. There's a lot of things happening. There's people being set free. There's people hearing the word of God proclaimed in such a way that they're saying, we have never heard anyone teach the scriptures like this, and lights are starting to go on. Because for the Jewish nation, they've been waiting a long time for a prophet to come. And it's been quiet for 400 years. And they're waiting for some good news. And they're going like, is this it? 
Is this the prophet of prophets? Is this maybe the Messiah? And so there is this, this growing momentum and everybody's trying to get near to touch Jesus. And parents, all right, if you're a parent here, you know that your kids have a pretty special place in your heart. And so we have parents in these days that are trying to get their children near to Jesus so that Jesus can touch them, so that Jesus can bless them. And the simple story is that in this time of probably chaos, super busy, they're probably exhausted, it's probably been going on for hours, the disciples, I think they're trying to do an okay thing. Like, I'd be doing this probably. But they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to find a way to make this a little easier, and everybody's exhausted. Jesus has probably been blessing people and praying and ministering to people for hours. So they kind of make a call and say, let's kind of get the kids out of here. And so they kind of start shuffling the kids aside, and Jesus isn't having that. And he gets angry. And he says, stop right now what you're doing. And he calls them out in front of the crowds. Like, there's a lot of people. And all of a sudden, these disciples that are kind of like little junior leaders, right? So they're, they're trying to lead out alongside this Messiah that is here. And they get called out in front of the group of people. Everybody's looking at him. Jesus says, don't even think about shuffling those away. And then he says a few things. He says, first of all, let the children come to me. Don't you dare hinder them. And then he says something really kind of bizarre. When we look at it even today, he says, the kingdom of God belongs to them. It's like at this point in time, these Jewish people are thinking the kingdom of God belongs to the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, because that's what they've all been telling them. Said, you become like us, and you get near the kingdom. Jesus turns and says, see these little kids? This kid dribbling on himself. This kid that's jumping up and down and won't stop moving. Kingdom of God belongs to them. That's what he says. And you got to know that people were kind of like, the parents are going, yeah, the kingdom of God belongs to them. The disciples are going like, what? Like, really? And they're probably embarrassed. They're probably kind of embarrassed. Uh, then the next thing that Jesus does is it says that he touches them. He puts his hands on them. And, um, you know, I just want to say that this is Jesus. I, I love the picture in some of the storybook Bibles for the kids. This is Jesus dancing in a circle with the children. This is Jesus, the real person Jesus, who is fully God. You got to know that he's not, he's not like doing, he's not like doing this, like, I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. It's not some kind of formal religious looking thing. Jesus touched him with a loving touch. And he blessed him. He spoke words over him. He said, you're blessed. Christ said, you're going to have a beautiful future. God loves you. He sees you. He's not like speaking weird things that kids don't understand. He's speaking to the kids. He's probably bent over so that he's looking right in their eyes. And he's blessing them. And he's loving on them. Okay, so as we read through this passage, that's kind of the story. That's it. That's the whole little story right there. But a couple of questions come to mind for me. One thing is, why does Jesus get so upset here? Like I mentioned in Mark 10, it says he was indignant. And uh, I don't know how you'd define indignant. I'd say it's like really ticked. Um, he's really upset. And if you read uh, a dictionary definition of indignant, 
it says really angry. It says particularly annoyed with injustice. And I think that kind of fits what's happening here with Jesus. It says he's indignant. And it only says this about Jesus a few times in the scripture. It says it here when children are being hindered and held back from being with him. It says it when a leper is trying to come to Jesus to be healed in Mark chapter 1. A leper is like desperate to get healed. And he's being shunned and held back because he's unclean. He's an outcast. And it says Jesus was indignant and went to that leper and healed him. And it says that when Jesus, you know the story where Jesus turns over the tables in the temple? It says he was indignant there. And really what's happening there, you know, some of us think like, man, never bring money into the church. If you bring money into the church, you're in trouble. The table's getting tossed. Uh, That's not what it is. The money changers at the tables, they had a very specific thing. They were there to make money. They were there to make a profit. Now, people in the day coming to the temple that had money and had resource would bring a lamb, the right kind of sacrifice. But poor people that didn't have a lamb had to make do with what they would buy near the city. And they'd buy a bird. There would be specific things to do. These money changers had it all set up so that the poor people, they could make money off of the poor people. And so they were standing as a, as a barrier and a hindrance from poor people being able to come into the temple of God, which represented the presence of God. So really the common denominator for these three stories where Jesus was indignant is people being held back from getting to Jesus. People being held back from getting to God. And I think it's a good thing to take note of. We don't ever want to do that. We don't want to stand in the way of people getting connected with God, ever. Um, Now, as we are talking about children specifically, I want to stay in that focus that that this passage in Matthew 19 is about kids, but the wider truth here is that Jesus, and we know this, Jesus has a heart for the weak and the vulnerable people, right? He does. You'd see it all through the scriptures. You know that about God. He has an eye on those that are weak and the vulnerable, and he's ready to stand up for them, and he's ready to step in for them. And so when the disciples are shuffling off the children, I don't think this is the first time the disciples have made a bad move. I think the disciples, as I read the Gospels, I think the disciples mostly made bad moves. Like, you know, the transformation up on the mountain. What does Peter do? Oh, this is beautiful, God. Like, we'll build you three shelters right here. We're going to have a, we're going to start a building project. And it doesn't say that God was indignant. He just said, just be quiet and listen. Just listen, you know. But there's quite a few times where the disciples lead out foolishly and kind of clumsy, try to organize things and help it be better. And Jesus seems very patient with them, just says, no, that's not the way we're going to do it. I kind of like the, the uh, series, The Chosen. How many of you guys have seen some of The Chosen? If you haven't, it's really fun. It's a fun series, but I kind of like it. It just shows Jesus in there like this. The disciples are trying to coordinate things and fighting among themselves. themselves. Jesus is kind of like rolling his eyes like, oh, my goodness, God, really? Like, this is the group you've given me to lead. But he's very patient. With this group, he's not patient at this moment. He's indignant. He's angry. Because God really does have a heart for the weak and the vulnerable. And our children represent the weak and the vulnerable. Those that maybe don't have the capability of speaking up for themselves. 
and Jesus is turned toward that. That's something for us to note. So, so what does this passage tell us about God? Um, what's our God shot out of this? And I, I think, first of all, straightforward, it's that God loves kids. God does love children. He loves kids. He points to their simple faith. He says, be like these children. Simple faith, simple joy, love of life, energy, all of those kinds of things. God loves kids. And to God, children are not second class. All right? They're not second class citizens. To God, they count just as much as you and I count. Children count just as much. Jesus wants kids to have full access to him. He wants children to be able to have full access to him. He wants to bless our children with his touch and with his words of kindness and blessing into a full future. It's important. And God, I think we can learn this, God doesn't want us to stand in the way of kids being able to connect with him. He doesn't want us to make it difficult for kids to connect with him. Now, some of you may be going like, wait a minute, like, don't you and Jared, like, shuffle the kids out of here, like, right after worship? Um, and I think that's a fair question. I think that's a fair question. And it'd be easy for you to say, in doing that, is that the same thing? Are you trying to shuffle the kids away? And I would say absolutely not. We believe wholeheartedly that Jesus is every bit as much in that nursery and in that barn as he is in this tent. And our heart for our kids gathering with other children their age and for them gathering with teachers that are getting down at their level and showing them films that talk about the love of God is we want to see them have a greater and a better connection with God and with his love and with his touch. And if that doesn't happen that way, then we ought to bring the kids right back on in here because they're not second-class citizens. They're not. Not according to God. He sees them every bit as they are, and they're valuable. So having this view of God from the scripture has really been the key in shaping the high value that we have as a church family for children because this is something that is important to us. Children, family, parenting, it's, it has a high value among us as a church family. We see it in God, so we want to model it in ourselves. We want to model it in this church family. We have, a high children, we have a high view of children being image bearers of God. They're created in his image. They don't become that when they turn 12, 16, or 18. They're image bearers of God one day out of the womb. They're image bearers. It's really rough form, maybe. It needs to be grown out still. But they're image bearers of God. We believe that. Because of the value that we place on them, we say that children are not just a part of the church of Jesus Christ tomorrow, but today. That's, they're not just the future of the church. Our children are a part of the church today. They're a part of this family today. We believe that the gifts that God distributes to all of his children happen during the design time when he creates them. So when children come out of the womb, guess what? They already have the gift of God in them it would really discover what those things are early on. So we can see those gifts activated. It'll make a difference in our families. It'll make a difference in this church family. The gifts of God rest in our children. So we want to discover those things. We want to nurture those things. We want to see it cultivated. 
Because of these things, we also have a really high value for family and for parenting. And we recognize raising children as an extremely missional strategy of the kingdom. Raising kids is not just something you do as parents. Raising kids is, is hugely missional. I will honestly say I've been in pastoral ministry for a long time, 40 plus years, and have seen a lot of things happen in pastoral ministry. By far, undoubtedly, I believe the most missional thing that my wife and I have been a part of has been parenting and raising our children. Because we spent 18 years shaping and modeling two little lives. Some of you have a whole bunch of that you're shaping. Some of you are at one. Some of you have done a lot of this. But I just want to say it is hugely missional. One of the ways that we want to put this value on display in our church family is by standing with parents as they dedicate their children to God. And we are going to do that this morning. We have four families that are ready to say we want to present our children to God and dedicate our own lives. And so they're going to come, and we're going to have the opportunity to do that together. So Slovers, Johnsons, would you come? Reyes's, would you come? Rachel and Jake, would you guys come?